Hey guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting to me. I like building something that has legacy. Good morning and welcome to another week of Dubai Works Business Podcast. This week, I'm, I have the honor to be joined by a very interesting guest, Denny Wallace. Denny is the founder of Wallace & Co. They are a British design-led home fragrance company in the UAE, providing the best-in-class wellness aroma for individuals and households. Today, we'll be discussing their journey so far, the wellness and fragrance industry, the wellness and fragrance industry, I'll try it again, mouthful, in the UAE, and product development, supply chain logistics in the Middle East. Good morning, Danny. Good morning, Rich. How's it going? Yeah, good. Thank you. Um, Honoured to be part of this business podcast. There's been some big titans of business on it, <laughs> and um, here I am. So, it's, yeah, it's great. Good. Humbled. Uh, no, well, thank you for joining. And, you know, we're also, I'm very interested in your story and the industry that you're in. Um, and obviously, you know, anyone running a business uh, can kind of share the same sort of uh, respect. So you're, you're, you're equally a part of this <laughs> podcast, uh, but not everyone can see the nice setting, uh, behind you, which is a botanical garden. Is that your home? Yeah, it, it's my COVID office. And so I sort of took all the plants from the office, put them into this study on my shelves and yeah, what a nice space to work on. Very Lovely. good. Uh, so you've, you've, yeah. So anyway, tell us a bit about, uh, Wallace and co, uh, and with the current contacts as well. Yeah. So, so I started Wallace and co four and a half years ago and we had this grand plan for like a retail brand. We didn't really know too much about retail, to be honest, probably about 2% of what we should have known to have taken it on. Um, I had a friend who's actually now my creative director who gave us a logo and a, a tiny bit of brand collateral and we thought that's it we're off we're off we go um that's um so I, I think you mentioned him before yeah that's paul green at, at toil and tinker who's provided these services for a lot of businesses in dubai very creative very very creative and the difference if i'm honest the difference he, he's like a genius wow and having that design of uh, skill uh, will take us from here to here. It's really, 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 really helpful. And so Paul gave us our first logo. Um, and so just for context, before I started Wallace and a, a couple of like gifting type businesses, and we'll maybe come back to that. Um, but the one of the gifting areas was candles, and it's very popular. And I thought, I, mean, I don't really want to, I don't really want to continue doing customized candles. So we'll create a wellness brand of candles. Wallet and Co. And we'll take on Dubai and it'll be the first of its kind. However, um, very soon after we put the logo on the lid, um, I uh, had a, well, my wife said she's pregnant and I've, you know, straight away. And so it put a bit of pressure on that logo and that lid to sell thousands in month one. It wasn't going to happen. And then I decided, okay, let's do, let's go back to what I know and do corporate and custom candles. So we would customize um, rediffusers or candles or anything in the sort of fragrance world for businesses. Mm. But then I had a huge sort of database from my previous companies of uh, contacts. So I'd go to the spa at Anantara and would you like an Anantara candle? And they said yes, and all of a sudden we're 
we're trading and we have a, a proper business, but it wasn't retail. So that's what we set out as, but it wasn't that. Month two, we're, we're custom. Okay. So, so that's where we've been for the last four years. So, what's, so what, Wallace & Co, it's, it's specifically, I mentioned at the start, in the wellness and fragrance, how, fragrance space, how do you describe that for you, for your business, and what's your product range currently? Well, we, we, as I said, we started as a wannabe retail brand, and it was going to be using like soy wax and essential oils. And that was fairly new. It's not we would have been the first sort of home fragrance brand in the UAE that was, you know, promoting healthy products. So it was all about, you know, clean, natural, almost vegan style products that weren't here mm. back then. Interesting. Um, and that was the premise for Wallace & Co., but then we had to go back into uh, the corporate world, which didn't always want the healthiest. They wanted something that would smell the strongest. Yeah. Um, so to answer your question, at the moment now, we've come back around, and I'm sure we'll come to that. We are now about to retail a whole line of candles, reed diffusers, room sprays, oil burners, essential oils, gift sets, all with really good, healthy, clean ingredients. So we've come full circle. Interesting. So essentially... Uh, the the wellness and fragrance space is more about uh, it, it, we're we're not talking about the kind of um, perfumes we're not talking about other products in uh, wellness it's more specifically ar around specific prog pro products for aroma and uh, wellness in the home and wellness in, in that sort of fragrance space yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We're very clear that we are a home fragrance brand. We're not a perfume company. We don't make, uh, you know, personal EDTs or, or anything like that. And I don't think we ever will. Um, we want to sort of really focus on home fragrance and healthy home fragrance, whether that's a, mm. a candle you like before you go to bed or a pillow spray. Um, this is all products for your home to create your space with scent. And that scent has to be healthy. It has to be you know, as natural as it can be, because that helps with wellness. Yeah. So, and you've led with design and, and you've very nice packaging. I saw some of the products. Uh, how have you gone about that? You know, you mentioned that you, you have a creative director and a design part, but what about the product uh, development? Is that done within the UAE and how did you go about it? Well, as I said, like when we talk a little bit more about the B2B journey, we've been manufacturing products for brands such as Bulgari or Emirates Airlines or Jumeirah, you know, even some of the government. And so we've had to develop products in this space for years, hundreds of thousands of products we've actually manufactured ourselves. So we've developed candles from a, a tea light up to a 12 kilo, 200 hour burning onyx candle that sells in Bulgari, for example, wow. <laughs> um, from reed diffusers to burners. So we've actually, we've been by default of having a B2B company, we've had to develop products for those businesses. And so that's kind of helped us with our own retail brand, taking, let's just say, a, a standard candle company entering the market would take a glass vessel that's commonly available. They would go to a printer, they would print a label, they'd stick it on the side, they would buy an off-the-shelf fragrance, let's say vanilla and lemon, and they would call it, you know, the Richard Candle Company, vanilla and lemon, and, and they have a retail product. Okay. So that's the very, very, very basic kind of form of making uh, retail products, right? So as we've evolved, we've gone into ceramics, into porcelain, into sandstone. Mm. We've learned how to sandblast, how to etch, how to screen print, how to hot foil, all of the different sort of print and design applications going onto these products. So 
that's how we've developed our products to what they are today, which I think are, are, are pretty good. So I can understand uh, you mentioned some of those brands and, you know, I think everyone would relate that they would have those products either in the rooms and in the lobbies um, and at special events for their kind of mice offering and, and things like that. Uh, how How is the market here? How has that been from a corporate side? And how is the market from home uh, home demand as well? Well, the, the B2B side is where we've specialized and we had a very unique product offering um, for businesses, whether it was hotels or events or banks, where we would create a, a an ADCB candle or gift set that they would give to their stakeholders mm. or for Jumeirah, we would have created rediffusers for the lobbies for Four Seasons. We'd have created Four Seasons candles that are sold as retail products in the room. And so it's it's very mixed now if you if you look at the industry as a whole i would say that the majority of products in retail are mass made outside of the uae and and we sort of filled the gap of manufacturing home fragrance products in dubai for these businesses so yeah interesting and then touching on the consumer side uh I think, you know, four and a half years ago when you mentioned you started, I think that's really when a lot of sort of uh, what, the vegan trends kind of really exploded and it's continuing to explode and people are becoming a lot more um, aware of environmental friendly products, but also about holistic wellness and they're investing in things and we're seeing a lot of brands kind of coming up like that. Um, is that is that a trend that you've seen in Dubai as well? Yeah, of course. Um, products have become a lot more accessible here too. You can buy homemaking candle kits online now. You can sort of purchase DIY kits to make your own home fragrance product. Okay. Um, it's a lot more accessible than it was back then. But absolutely, like nobody really wants to consume paraffin-based products in their home. They want to put synthetic products on their pillow. And so they're now looking at Sort of smaller niche brands to purchase and sort of get goods from rather than I'd say like the traditional fashion high street retailers but I'd say more mass made so it's definitely going into a more niche sort of artisan area in, in where we are I mean mm. we're not we're not sort of taking big spaces by more with 10,000 products we are sort of on the more niche side yeah um, and that's growing interesting yeah. so um, global companies, say a Joe Malone or a, a fragrance company like that who specializes in candles, is that what they do as well? They have their kind of main range and then they're, they're creating new products to adapt to consumer demand? Yeah, I think so. obviously they've got big teams. They've got big like product development teams that are looking at trends, looking at you know, what's happening in two years' time at Christmas. For example, so they've they've got so so working with sort of leading fragrance houses as they would, they would have all of this data to actually predict what's going to happen, whether that's in sort of candle fragrance, whether it's in AI scent diffusion technology. Um, they know what's coming, they know what you know on the horizon, and they've got the teams to prepare for that. Yeah, um, I'd say like the, the the big companies that you you mentioned, and a lot of them, they don't actually manufacture. And so they actually outsource the contract manufacturers a little bit like we were. So they would give all of their manufacturing to factories mm. and they would just focus on product development and sales and marketing. Whereas for us, we've actually been manufacturing everything ourselves from packaging to wick protectors, sleep spray formulations, 
to the candles, to the diffusers. So we really understand exactly what goes into every single product. I'm not sure they can say the same because they're giving that part away. And I understand why they do that. Okay, interesting. Uh, Actually, let's just talk about that because, you, you know, the manufacturing industry is going through a bit of a revolution evolution uh with all the different with technology with production with factories with um, internet of things and lots of data and things like that um so do you think that it's a it's um it's a question of outsourcing to a factory that you don't own or doing it yourself or are there more hybrid solutions available now I'd say that I could only really talk about the business of manufacturing our, our products. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't want to sort of try and comment on anything other than that. But um, for, for us, we took on the, the sort of role of manufacturing from day one. Mm. And that started in a bedroom on the Palm Jumeirah. And it continued to, you know, 4,000 square foot factory that we, we are now owning DIP. Wow. Um, when you take manufacturing on, you have to really, you have to really know what you're doing. Um, long term to sort of get into it because once you start, once you start to invest in you know small plant and small machinery, you need operators, you need systems, you need processes, you need certifications, legal. There's so much that goes into it that I think it's quite flippant. I was quite flippant. But yeah, we, we can do all of the manufacturing. It's easy. When actually, you know, a few years on, you're like, oh my goodness, what have we signed up to? Because the majority of time, if I'm honest, goes into operations procurement and systems and staff and HR over pure sales, marketing and product development and social, which is where if you took uh, Joe Malone, for example, you know, phenomenal company, they really focus on sales and brand. They're not worried about, you know, wax coming off of the candle lid, or they're not worried about how you foil the box. They're all taken care of. But where we took that on ourselves, we quickly realized, my goodness me, it's much easier to give it to a contract manufacturer. Yeah. But, you know, these, these big companies and, you know, big contract manufacturers, they take months, if not years, to work with you and develop products. I've approached some big contract manufacturers in the UK, and they've literally, I thought, of, you know, Denny here from Dubai, like they were going to just open the doors. They're like, hey, look, it takes six months to develop a product with us. It's a thousand pounds per fragrance sample. So basically, like, go away. We don't want you. Um, and so, to sort of get into those companies, you need to have huge budgets to even be entertained. And then, if you go to smaller manufacturers, can they handle the scale? Mm. So, if we wanted to order five thousand candles, reed diffusers, and you know, oil burners, can they make fifteen thousand products in a month? I doubt it. Mm. So then, you're sort of you no. Know, that, that's why we decided to do it. But as we've scaled, we realised, wow. We need job. a much bigger facility, many more staff, and then we think, do we really want to be going deeper into that territory? Yeah, um, and and the answer is no. <laughs> no. But I guess it's you have the end-to-end solution now, so you've flexibility and freedom to adapt a bit more. Is is there? A, get, get it, did you reinvest in the business? That kind of capital capex that you had to do to to grow it is that a lot is is that like any other manufacturing company would be in this space yeah it is i mean you would you would you would obviously need to keep reinvesting in raw materials as they run out that that's that's obvious but you know like you said about technology the technology in manufacturing and machinery now is brilliant so the the new german candle pouring machines that have got ai integrated that wow. can, basically i mean you know they're a hundred thousand dollars so you know 
good luck buying two or three of those mm. for your working capital. You know, like, so we've relied on, on more basic methods of hand pouring and hand bottling. Um, we haven't invested millions of dollars in plants for that sort of level. We're not at that level. Um, but again, if we wanted to scale, we would need to sort of keep up with, with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting. Is, but, so, so yeah, so, so exactly. So you can do things kind of bootstrap and grow it organically where you're, you're doing the development yourself, you're building the brand, you're building the team and you're establishing those relationships with the customers. Is, is that really how you describe the kind of various things you've been juggling in the last four and a half years? Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. I mean, look, when, when you've got the facility and you can make 505 products, you've got something. And the fact that for our retail brand, um, we could actually make small minimums to test or do MVP, minimum viable product, for a certain fragrance or a certain type of packaging. Because we've got a die cutting machine, we've got foil machines, we've got hot stamp machines, we have the whole range of machines to manufacture. Um, small runs of high-end candles. So we can test different markets. We can test a certain fragrance and packaging design on Amazon. We put one into high street retail and we can see what happens. But if we went to a contract manufacturer, they would say, hey, look, you need to order a minimum of a thousand of each to even get this going. Okay. So we've, we've really benefited as a retail brand in having that factory and able to pivot and be flexible with what we test with. Yeah. Uh, not every company can do that. They would be, if you don't have a factory or you know, packaging is a big thing. Like pouring candles is one thing. Packaging is a huge deal. So because we've got those machines, it allowed us to, to experiment with different packaging methods. Interesting. So after you established the relationships with the big hotel groups and the hospitality groups, uh, at what point did you decide to kind of take that to direct-to-consumer or, or to uh, retail space? And then uh, what were your decisions around that? Did you look at having your own shop or did you go to e-commerce and digital straight away? Well, as I said, when we first started, I really wanted to do a retail brand because my previous two companies here involved customization, which if anybody who works in anything bespoke or custom means that everything's project-based, there are approvals and processes and, you know, three months lead times for one product to get to market or to be sold and get paid. You've got 10 of those. It's really messy. Um, and so I don't want to do this again. I'd like to create a product that you can sell that same product over and over again. Um, but that didn't happen. So we went into customization and all of the time in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, when are we gonna, when are we gonna move over? But Rich, you can't just open a retail home fragrance brand. It's competitive. I'd say in some points of the market, it's saturated. Um, there are, there's no shortage of products in the market. And so to just open another you know, just another one of these companies, we couldn't do that. So in my mind, it always needed to be something special. And for that, we needed the designer, we needed the fragrance, we needed the perfumer, we needed the platform. And so when Amazon came on, I think it was probably maybe a year ago, Amazon, just over a year ago, Amazon took over suit. Yeah. Like, wow, now we, now we have, now we can sort of ourselves have reach onto Amazon and we can, we can test out. And that's what we've done. So we created some different retail products, some tins and diffusers, just to test out the process. In that process, we learned what was working, how we got to e-commerce. Bear in mind, we'd never run an e-commerce company before. Um, and so we learned about the certifications for retail, the approvals, the compliance, uh, the process of getting a product onto these platforms. 
and then how to sell, which is a whole new science. Mm. Remember, we were just manufacturing for businesses before. It was much more linear, but this was a different process. Um, and so, as I said, in, in my mind, I always wanted to do retail and take on that market. We just didn't have the right product. However, uh, we got Expo license ship. So Expo came to us two or three years ago, and we were a tiny business back then. So that, you know, we, but we looked big, right? So they said, like, you know, we'd like you uh, to be licensees if you meet certain criteria. Mm. Would you like to do it? And we, of course, being ambitious, like, yeah, we'll, we'll take that on. We can be, but we didn't realise what that entails. I mean, you know, Expo is huge, so it's a huge proposition. Can you explain the, that? On. Can you explain what the license is? Or yeah, yeah. So the license basically gave us the right to um, sell and distribute Expo. I've actually got one burning. I didn't have it here. It's here. So this is an oh, Expo. Nice. Wow. Yeah, it's lovely, right? Lovely, lovely camera. So this is Expo. Uh, it's their design. It's their logo. It's their brand. So they get, we, we basically bought into the rights to be able to, to sell Expo home fragrance products. Ah. And so we took that on about three years ago. And we had to go through a series of approvals and, and designs and more approvals and paying royalties and so much paperwork, so much work. We didn't realize what we were getting into at the time. There was only two of us three of us at the time. Um, and as that developed, um, what we realized is we actually need retail distribution ourselves to be able to actually sell the product. Because what we what were used to is say, you know, Emirates Palace coming to us and saying, hey, can we take 500 Emirates Palace candles? They do the sales. They put them in the spa or they sell them in the boutique. So it would get to our gate and it's gone. Mm. But actually with Expo, what it, what it required was a real retail sales channel and distribution in Dubai, we didn't have that. And so we were like, wow, we really need to figure this retail thing out. Um, and so we learned a lot in that process. Um, and we knew that we would be launching this year, obviously with Expo, when it was uh, before, before COVID. And simultaneously, we'd have launched the retail brand at the same time as Expo. So hello world, here are Expo products, and here's our retail products. And we'd have had a, a store in Dubai Mall that was in the pipeline. We'd have had like 10 points of sale in the Expo site. Mm. And we'd have been in like 10 sites off site um, as well. That was the plan. And so when COVID came, obviously it flatlined the B2B business mm. completely overnight, which was right. difficult to deal with. Um, and then we knew that there'd probably be some moves with Expo. Expo was then you know, postponed. And so what we were left with is like the, the skeleton of a retail brand. It wasn't developed mm. at all. It was due to launch in October. So then what we had to do is, is really fast track. This was in March. We had to fast track a, a quick retail solution. The revenue died. I mean, just overnight, the, the market collapsed in mm. what we were doing. Even our existing LPOs were cancelled. Mm. So we had all of this sort of pipeline work that had just gone. So like, my God, what are we going to do? So thankfully, we had Paul who can really like pivot with design and so we converted all of our b2b stock into ramadan products and we created a ramadan retail pop-up which was a real quick fix solution to sell some stock to get some revenue in we got a pr company involved um Ateline, we actually we sold on a shopify account that we made with three weeks created a shopify website that worked we had to do the logistics we had to do the brand the whole thing like three weeks and we've done it. Right. Um, and at that point, we realized, wow, like if the B2B market doesn't come back quickly, we need to really focus on retail and build this brand. And that's what we've been doing since March. And so it, 
it's all come in a weird sort of sequence, yeah. really. And, and that's where we are now. So we'll be launching this month with, um, I think we've got 50 SKUs, cross diffusers, and all different products. Wow. Um, so we'll open mid-July and have, and have a full retail offering. It's interesting. Um, it sounds yeah. like you were you were more prepared. I think a lot of people have seen this during COVID. It's like we're doing something really well, um, and because we're doing something really well, we can pivot. But we mightn't have had the pressure to do so before, or even the time. So e even though it feels like it's popping up overnight, you're actually the the seed of this idea was planted many years ago, and you and you, you can adapt to it, but it's still a whole different business. A completely different business. And again, having a product to compete yeah. is, is, is the challenge. That's it, like yeah. The back end, the operations, the logistics, the payment gateways, all of the back end stuff is hard enough. But the, the hardest part of always getting consumers to part with their cash, especially on Shopify, where you're a brand new merchant, essentially, they've got to trust you with their credit card, um, it's, you know, we weren't really on Amazon. We, we missed the deadline because it takes a few weeks to register products. And we just, we just missed the Ramadan boat. So in Ramadan, you sort of have the week before Ramadan, but pretty, pretty busy, maybe even two weeks before. And then it goes really quiet. And mm. then at the end of Ramadan towards Eid, it picks up again. We missed the boat for Amazon. The only channel we had was our own Shopify site, a brand new, you know, day one Shopify site. And we, we, we sort of done sold a few hundred products, which is brilliant. It was a really good yeah, well return, but nothing nothing on our B2B business. Yeah. Nothing at all. It was like a drop in the ocean. Um, but we, we learned a lot. And so, yeah, like as you said, we were prepared for retail. It was just kind of, it was in the background. Uh, our whole focus was on B2B and hospitality and expo. And then with that taken away, we had to quickly um, bring, bring that out of the cupboard and, and, and launch it. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I, I can kind of the parallel I can draw to is in, in the media business. If you if you're um, if you have clients with advertising, uh, your your clients are maybe your your business clients, but the audience aren't your clients. The audience is uh, the attention and, and everything like that. But if you're doing subscription or direct to consumer, not only is it about the logistics and the technical technical side working, it, you actually need to switch your the mindset of your company because you now have direct customers and there's customer service, there's um, lots of different That's things. All of it. All of it. <laughs> and lots of different. Sure. Yeah. 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 Like, getting, you know, you, we, we have to set up a WhatsApp yeah. customer service, like WhatsApp order line, which is then a customer service line. Bear in mind, everybody wakes up late in Ramadan. So you're getting like pings at 12 o'clock at night, like, Where's how my candle? I, how do I like you? Where's, where's that? Or can you do this? Or can you do that? Yeah. And so that was a, it was a whole new challenge. Yeah. And, and bear in mind, our behavior wasn't really geared up to the consumers. We were B2B facing. We were used to dealing with heads of marketing mm. or heads of events. And so we, we were sort of really tailored to service that market. Yeah. And all of a sudden, when we're thrust into the, the spotlight of retail, mm. and especially on social, we never really paid that much attention to social because we, we, we didn't have to. Yeah. All of the magic of sales was done by, by us and our samples and, you know, off, off, Interesting. off the radar. Uh, but as soon as you go into retail, it's like, right, you need, you've got social media etiquette, like the whole algorithm is like, oh my goodness me, how, how are you yeah. doing this? Um, but I think, I think you know, in 2020, the things, the Shopify's and the WhatsApp's and the direct-to-consumer pieces and Amazon 
are here. Whereas if you did uh, a few years ago, if you did say the factory plus the big retailer space, maybe with one of the big uh, companies in Dubai Mall, but in your own space, you might be left with two big costs. Whereas now you, you can have efficiencies. It, do you see that? Is, is there benefits and margins with a digital business for retail business versus? Yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you hit on it. I'm, I'm actually reading a book uh, called Six Billion Shoppers. And okay. About, uh, it's, it's, it's incredible. It's like steroids. For the, for <laughs> Loads pieces. of information. Um, Six billion uh, shoppers. So everyone kind of, everyone's online. Yeah. Everyone's online, and it, and it sort of really gives you, uh, uh, you know, you know, e-commerce is is, good, is a big thing. It actually goes into why and okay. and how this phenomenon is taking off. And we are, uh, say, entrepreneurs or business owners in a in a time of massive, massive opportunity. Yeah. And whereas, like exactly like you said, like before, for example, you would have to create a brand that would go into a retail store. You'd have to, you know, traditional marketing methods and, you know, bricks and mortar and that type of business. And then you would supplement that with e-commerce. And there was kind of like a sequence to it. Well, that's all been thrown on its head now. And the smart sort of product businesses are now e-commerce first. So they're all about content creation, enhanced brand content, mm. really good e-commerce presence. And they're focusing all their energy there. They're not even worried about bricks and mortar. I'm sure bricks and mortar still will still play a huge part in retail, especially in home fragrance, because you can't smell candles through a screen, um, for example. But um, what, it's, what it's given us is the ability to now launch a, a company without bricks and mortar and without a huge overhead of factory and when we outsource. And so we can really just focus on like product, customer experience, and then hopefully with all of the you know, the software, all of the back ends will be much more uh, automated. It's going to be less us driving vans around Dubai delivering. We're integrating a lot of, you know, logistics software, yeah. um, et cetera. So, yeah, it's going to be a, a really, it's a really exciting sort of future for product businesses, given that market Interesting. Um, opening up to us. Yeah, yeah cool. just touching on the software, how do you kind of view, because there's, there's a plethora of different SaaS products, whether it's, uh, subscription management platforms, uh, delivery, uh, loads of different things around customers and payments. Uh, you know, I think there's about seven or eight different payment gateways, checkouts, uh, pay tabs, pay for it, all these ones. How do you choose them? I'd just ask Paul to choose them. <laughs> <What? laughs> you have a good partner. He's, he's just more intelligent than I am. He's a lot of <laughs> software and a lot of tech. So he's brilliant. And I'm just like, okay, like, as long as you like checked it. No. Yeah, okay. Um, the, the, the truth is, look, look, I mean, if you're, if you're looking at Amazon, I mean, I'm, I'm a big, big Amazon fan. It's just opened in Saudi, as you're probably aware. Um, mm. Amazon takes care of so much of that for you, and it allows you to simply focus on your rankings and, and products. Right? So mm. it takes away that infrastructure headache. Whereas if you actually try and compete with Amazon, then you do need to invest in logistics and sort of third-party logistics and payment gateways. And you've got to keep that going. And there's always new apps and new software and new integrations coming out um, that you've got to sort of keep up with. If I'm really totally honest, my if I could just do Amazon, I would, because it's such a mammoth mm. sort of marketplace that if you get it right on Amazon, you don't need to do anything else. Mm. And so 
my, half my brain is in the Amazon sort of seller central mm. and then half is in creating a really nice Shopify experience. Mm. But we can't compete with some of the, the big, big retailers. So I think we're going to go after third party platforms and, and use their infrastructure instead of trying to be maestros of our own yeah. because it's all out there. And there are, there are companies that are invested millions in this infrastructure, which is leverage that instead of going after it ourselves just a lot of energy yeah. and unless you've got the money to sort of back that up over the next 10 years just focus on, yeah. on the others I think it's a good bet you know you mentioned Saudi but they've, they're a company that works really fast and they're expanding in other countries in this region quite quickly so you could be safe there but that's on the kind of uh, payment side and the marketplace side what about on the brand side how do you meet how do you reach uh this new type of, of customer around wellness and home fragrances, how do you, how do you get into, into their attention span? Well, this is, this is going to be a social media challenge and like a content challenge and getting people to actually find wallets and cards. First of all, like our, our products have to be the best in the market. That was one of the sort of prerequisites. As I said before, is if we're going to go into this market, the product has to be, market leading so we know what products are in Dubai we know the best players in the market at the top end so we've looked at those so like how do we do it better now with somebody uh, like Paul who's this maestro designer he can actually come up with you know art-based products that are just stunning to look at mm. and that's what we've got coming on that's the aesthetic and then what goes into that product has to be the very best formulation best ingredients best fragrance like perfumer based fragrances, fine fragrances. Um, so we know that the product is the best in the market. Then how do we get people to actually see that product? Well, that's going to be a challenge on Amazon, social media, influencers. So we're working with some influencers that will be distributing that product to all of their followers. That's a whole new industry. Um, we've given some of our products to some influencers here in Dubai, and we've seen 100,000 people have seen that wow mm. um there are big influences here that can do that for us we can work with them in sort of you know bringing attention to wallace and co then people will actually purchase one of our products and that's it we hope then they'll be hooked on the aesthetics and the and the fragrance and will become like a loyal a loyal tribe member uh that's interesting where you phrase that because it kind of leads me on to the next point around subscription and that sort of trend with with direct to consumer uh, to get someone to go through all that process on Amazon and to know of you and to purchase once, how do you really hook them in? How do you either get them coming back for more? And, and what is the, what is the, how, how long does it take a candle to, to burn out? But what, I mean, what is the kind of lifetime cycle of a product purchase and what's the kind of frequency of, of re repeat purchase? Well, First of all, like if, if you actually burn one of our candles, I actually gave you a, a candle. Yeah. Not sure if you actually burn it yourself. My mum has, yeah, um, and it's still got. Yeah, it's not finished yet, so <laughs> don't worry. Well, yeah, like we, we we hope you enjoyed that product, and we hope that all of our all of our sort of tribe love the product they get into their hands. If they ever are given a product, it's one of our giveaways, or they order one of our products, we think that once they get that product, they won't want to order from any other brand. Mm. That's what we're hoping in an ideal world. And so then, you know, they'll buy the candle, and next time they might buy some incense that's got the same fragrance attached to it. Then they might buy the rediffuser, and now they've got like a unified 
set of products yeah. for their bathroom. Then they might move on to their lounge or their bedroom, and they sort of add in, okay. you know, different looks. We've got like a botanics range to celebrate plant life and nature. We've got a manzil, which means destination in Arabic, which is home. Um, so it's like an arabesque range, which is based on arabesque fragrances. So that really suits, the, you know, a different market here. Then we've got sort of different. We've, we've got some collaborations with artists, so we're doing limited edition. So we're taking the art of some sort of prominent artists and applying it to our products. And then that will go to their tribe and it will be based on like what they like as a fragrance. And then that will introduce Wallace & Co to that audience. Mm -hmm. And then once they purchase that first product, we're hoping that they come back to the second and a third. Interesting. The so you've um, got plenty of choice yeah, for tribe them. Tribe building. Yeah. To, yeah. yeah. yeah get the, uh, yeah, repeat customers. And it, you know, your story is interesting. And the brand has a very polished feel to it and the products are of really high quality. So I think that that works in that way. Um, talking about the kind of logistics and, and product development and maybe specifically around sustainability, what are the trends uh, in product development and sustainability in your, in your industry? Well, actually going from uh, being expo licensees, we were put through a rigorous okay. selection campaign to work with sustainable suppliers so we were you know kind of cross-checked that i think the sand that was used for the glass was that sustainable sand and and we had to go through that whole process to check every part of our supply chain was sustainable there was no child labor involved everything was above board and so we passed that test mm. um, and so we've learned uh, so much about the sustainability of our glass for example or our ceramic or our porcelain or the wax so the products that we actually work with, they come from the world. So Poland is uh, the sort of the heartland of glass manufacturing. It's got certain mineral in the in the sand that just lends itself to beautiful glass it's where mm. a lot is made. That's where we get our glassware from. Our porcelain comes from Thailand and from Sri Lanka. So I've actually been to these factories myself and looked at the process and made sure that it's legit and mm. above board. I mean, you know, our, our supplier in Sri Lanka, the TLC, uh, the company in, in, in Poland provides products to all of the big fashion brands. So these are big suppliers that we're working with that have their own ISO and everything. So okay. yeah, we know we we know that we know everything's above board. Yeah, interesting. So many pieces behind the what Too you many. see. <laughs> <laughs> so what's next for Wallace and Co? You mentioned some of the things that you're launching. How do you see? How do you see the current situation as a business and, and 2020 and, and going on from there? Well, at the moment, we're just sort of really focused on, on building the infrastructure around our retail offering, which would be Amazon, Noon, um, uh, our Shopify, Wallison.co, and making sure that that's solidified. From there, we then have sort of three platforms to actually start selling products. Mm. So we are then a bona fide retail brand, if you like. Uh, and then we, we have some really lovely products in the pipeline from sort of brass oil burners that, that sort of stunning mm. ceramic incense holders. We have a huge product pipeline coming on that sort of really puts us at the top of the design fragrance tree. And um, we're working with sort of perfumers to develop unique fragrances that have never been uh, sort of released into the world. Rich, there are some really crazy things going on in the future with AI and scent technology mm. um, where your home is going to be rigged up with sort of scent diffusion machines that your phone re realizes what mood you're in and will set 
the fragrance in your bedroom to reflect that. Mm. So we're really looking at sort of the scent marketing side of the business as well, where you know you, you might come home and your house is going to be filled with lavender and chamomile because nice. your phone has told it that you're stressed. Yeah. Or if you're a bit tired or you didn't sleep well, you'll be woken up with lemongrass and ginger in the morning. Um, because mm. it's detected it. So this is the future. Yeah. So we're developing products around that technology as well, which is really interesting Amazing. and fun. Uh, yeah, it sounds like how you describe the products from the bathroom to the living room to the bedroom, it, it sounds like you know your area, which is the home, and that you have to play in, and you're kind of early on the trend of uh, the digitization of the home. Uh, so it's fascinating. Do you think it's, a, it's far off? I mean, you know... I, th- I have um, I have one sort of connected device at home, uh, which is a, a Dyson uh, air purifier, and it's got an app. But th- I think that's the only device. Maybe maybe I have more, but but I just expected that maybe some of these some of these things would have advanced faster, like some of the kitchen appliances licensing, or maybe it's just me. What where, what stage do you think we're at? Well, I think that uh, like a lot of new homes will come with built-in um, sort of diffusion machines. Um, so if you go into any hotel or any mall, actually, when you walk in, you can smell fragrance. You walk into Dubai Mall that has a particular fragrance. Okay. If you then go into the address Dubai Mall, it's got a different fragrance. Well, this fragrance comes through the air conditioning machine. Mm, so there's like a, a contraption that bolts onto the aircon unit, and it pumps it through your house. Well, I think this will come with houses as standard in the future mm. so that it's not such a, a clumsy pouring oil into a you know a small machine that lit, drips water everywhere. Um, there are really sophisticated machines out there at the moment that sync with your phone. Um, it's just they're just not that popular, a bit clumsy. Mm. But I think as we as we sort of progress through, people expect to be able to fragrance their house like that mm. um, or their bedroom. You know, like, especially in the mornings when you wake up, you want something that's going to uplift you. Also, if you want more intimate moments, um, you can hit basically an intimate fragrance that will fill your bedroom with, you know, all of this wonder in the bathroom. Once you've used the, the bathroom, you'll come out and it will just completely change the fragrance. Now, if, if you look at in the UK, I know um, my family have got the small air diffusers on the wall that pump out fragrance. Oh, yeah. If you just look at a much more sophisticated AI-based version of that that can actually smell the environment you're in, yeah, um, and then sort of, you know, interesting, fascinating, Mm. and actually, there's the diffusers in the car as well, so maybe you'll be going in there as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's your space. That's not personal fragrance. That is like curate your space with scent. Is what we're yeah, what we're all about. So yeah, it's very interesting market. Very creative and. You know, it's growing massively rich, so it's a really good space to be in. What sort of um, on the I can understand from a marketing and pro- point of view, but what sort of people, if they were interested in your company, uh, what sort of skill sets are required, and what sort of talent do you look to bring on board? In, in, in what area? I mean, would it be in sales or marketing or product development or design? Yeah. finance, operations, everything. Okay. Which, which honestly, when I when I sat down and I looked at because I have two businesses, remember, I had the, the B2B and the factory, and then you're looking at retail. Now, if you go into LinkedIn, this is what I did. If you look at, say, a really good contract manufacturer in the UK, you can see their organizational chart, and you can actually write down the job description of each person they have. When you write that down, you're like, my goodness me, that isn't, that's an army mm. of talent. 
Um, okay. And you think, like, we're a bit short. And then if you look at, say, a retail brand, you do the same thing, completely different skill set. Hmm. Um, and you realize, wow, there's this, you know, even, you know, digital web development, yeah. you know, social, marketing, sales, territory managers, wholesale, there's so many, so many different so many things. areas. You're like, wow, like, <laughs> it's overwhelming. Hey, mind blowing. Yeah. And you just think, God, oh, what's the smartest way to do this without all of that? Yeah. Um, but, so I'll ask it in a different way because I, I have a friend who knows who's always telling me about different sorts of pillow sprays for allergies and things like that. Do you yeah. look at it from a value point of view of a kind of, maybe not a subject matter expert, do you, but do you try and bring on board people who get what, what space you're in and what you're trying to achieve? And then maybe that's some of the education process that's needed to acquire new customers can come from uh, your team in that way. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, we work with CPL Aroma, which have a uh, you know a huge factory here in in Dubai. They manufacture fragrance oils and very very good at it. And they have leading perfumers mm. and you know lab technicians and, and chemists that work on these formulations. Mm. So what we will be doing is bringing those guys in to actually give talks, discussions, and actually educate mm. the layman in the benefits of these fragrances. Okay. Um, it would be really nice to have in-house uh, perfumers. We're just not at that stage mm. at the moment, but we, we will absolutely be leveraging our relationships with CPL so that you know we can bring on that that expertise so that mm. people understand why lavender helps calm you down, why chamomile helps you sleep, why this pillow spray helps you you know have a restorative sleep. What happens in your mind? What happens in your you know in your body? Um, yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah, really, really interesting. So, last, uh, hopefully, finishing on a positive note. Uh, do you, how do you see the economy at the moment? Do you, th you mentioned Expo and, and coming next year, and the, the global. Obviously, this year has been uh, severely impacted by uh, COVID nineteen. But people talk of about a V shaped recovery. Uh, how do you see it playing out? Do you think it's going to be a couple of years? Um, and do you think that's a good or a bad thing for Wallace and Co? Um, I think that, you know, this summer is going to be an interesting one. I think we all know there's going to be uh, quite a bit of movement um, in a lot of sectors here in Dubai. And so I don't want to say like I'm optimistic about the future. Dubai will win eventually. It's a very resilient city. Yeah. Um, it, it's very agile. Um, it can shift quite well. Mm. So it can sort of move resources from one area to the other to sort of the hospitality sector is unbelievable to best yeah. in the world. Agreed. It's never going to fail. It's just a bit of time. It's going to take a bit of time mm. for consumer confidence to return. So and people traveling and then, of course, in this economy, it's based on, on that consumer confidence and global travel resuming and then the rest follows. Mm. And so for us, though, people are still at home. They're ordering online. Mm. They're actually more uh, sort of aware of what they're purchasing. We offer a really nice, healthy, um, you know, competitive product. And so then we see it as an opportunity that people are more captive now and more aware of what they're buying. They're not just buying lots of stuff in Dubai Mall. They're sitting at home, you know, looking for sort of more um, in-tune products. And so we see that as an opportunity um, that we didn't have this time last year where we were just all over the place and now we're a little bit more measured. So good. yeah, good luck to the Dubai economy. I hope, I hope for everyone's sake, it yeah. falls over globally as well. Yeah, um, I'd say like it would be a, a better time to ask that question in October. Okay, well maybe we'll chat again then. It'd be great to hear your story because it's really interesting what you're trying to achieve, and uh, really appreciate the time today, Danny.
Thanks, Rich. And as I said, check us out, wallaceand.co, in a couple of weeks' time um, and uh, have a look at all of those new products coming out. Thank you. Amazing. Thanks for your time. Take care. Hey, guys. I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting to me. I like building something that has legacy.